0: Welcome. You're listening to the Media Talk 101 podcast. Media Talk 101 is a nonprofit ministry dedicated to teaching media discernment in the light of following Christ. Visit our website mediatalk101.org for helpful articles, videos, and other resources. My name is Philip Telfer, founder and director, and I'm glad to be back in the studio with my friend and co-worker, Rhett Simpkins. Rhett, uh, welcome back to the Media Talk 101 podcast. Yeah, thanks. And you are ready to go with a brand new microphone there. in the. St- yes, can you hear me? <laughs> you sound great. Now we're going to both sound good. See, that was the disadvantages of being the office director instead of the president. The president got the nice <laughs> microphone. You got this, you know, the lousy microphone. But, you know, we're trying to lift you up in the podcast. So uh, I ordered Rhett the exact same microphone that I have. So... Which should sound really great. No excuses now, Rhett. Are you ready to step up? Yeah. Step up to the mic here and uh, take some more responsibility. Now that you got the new mic. Okay. All right. Well, one of the things we're, we have several things to talk about here. We're going to talk about a new book that's out on the market. We're going to talk about e-athletes. We're going to talk about smartphone zombies. We're going to even talk about another viral YouTube video in relation to media. Uh, but one of the before we do all of that. There have been a lot of people asking me of recent about how things are going with planning for the film festival. And uh, so I, I give them an honest answer. I said, I think it's going pretty well. Uh, <laughs> though, I mean, I sometimes I have those twinges of, of nervousness and anxiety. <laughs> uh, but uh, I do, generally, I'm at peace with how things are going. And I remind... I try to remind myself when I get a little panicky about just all the different things that need to come together for the film festival in 2015, I just remind myself that a year ago, about this time, we were just coming up with the idea. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we were just starting. I mean, we just got a website and we were trying to find a venue and and uh, so this year... A lot of that, you know, we have the website in place with a lot of information on it. We've got speakers lined up. We have films that have been submitted, uh, which we're going through right now. The judges are uh, going through the, the various films. We have a venue uh, already lined up. Uh, we've got people who are getting their tickets already. So, I mean, it's and we got some sponsors. It's, it's pretty neat. So there are a lot of things that are uh, coming together. We have a great team of volunteers helping. We had nearly 100 volunteers last year, and many of them said, hey, we want to continue to help uh, put this together. So behind the scenes, there have been many people helping with uh, sponsorships and uh, PR and uh, you know, coordinating volunteers, uh, coordinating things like the uh, AV, uh, working on videos, all sorts of fun stuff. And I know that, Rhett, you've been busy, too. What have you been up to with the film festival?
1: Well, I've been continuing to put uh, you know, speaker profiles together and put those up on the website so people can see who's going to be there at the Filmmakers Guild and uh, sending invoices out and just, you know, all the little office kind of things that need to be done. Well, and
0: I am grateful for all of that. I'm grateful for you, for all of our volunteers, for the people helping out with this. And this is a good time to be to remember to be grateful, you know. So we got Thanksgiving; we're going to be celebrating, and as Christians, we should be celebrating Thanksgiving every day. And so I I think about that often. It says in the Psalms, "Let us enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise." And I th- I think it maybe in the archives. I don't recall if I talked about this. I think I have. You know, maybe over a year ago about. Uh, th- this uh, what what John Pastor John Corson called a paradigm of prayer, and this idea of using the picture of the tabernacle uh, as as kind of a as a model for prayer. And I won't go into all the details now, but it begins with entering into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, and it ends with getting you know coming into the holy of holies, into the presence mm. of God. And so it looks at the various things in the tabernacle as kind of clues or or things that we can look to to inspire us in in directing our prayers. but the the thing he brings out in the beginning of that teaching is you can't even start uh, moving towards the presence of God in the Holy of Holies unless you first enter his gates with Thanksgiving and en- hmm. enter into the courts with praise. And so we'll start out this podcast with uh, you know just being thankful and grateful. I'm thankful for you in the office. I'm thankful for God's mercy and grace uh, on our ministry for n- nearly nine years now. Um, in December, Media Talk will be Media Talk 101 will be nine years old, and it feels like it's a little bit older than that. But that's because for two years prior to that, I was already traveling the country uh, speaking about media. So in my mind, it's been a lot longer. You know, It's been 11 years. <laughs> But uh, so we've been around for, for nine years. The Lord has been very just gracious to us. We're, I'm very thankful about uh, how Captivated uh, continues to, to impact homes and churches and, and even people around the world. I noticed that even this week, some of our orders were coming in from Australia and uh, just different parts of the country. And so we're, I'm grateful, grateful for those who have uh, come alongside us to help promote that, uh, to buy copies, to share with others. And what are some things you're thankful for, Brett?
1: Well, I'm certainly thankful for many of those things and uh, just the opportunity that God has given me to you know, provide for my family. And that Media Talk 101 has uh, been an avenue to do that um, and, you know, the ability to, be a minister of his gospel. And it's sometimes, you know, working in the office is, you know, somewhat mundane, but it's awesome to see what God has done through this ministry. And so I'm thankful for that. Thankful for uh, health and uh, the many blessings that God gives us with, uh, you know, just the things that he knows we need. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that.
0: Well, that's great. And uh, so this, let's move on to our, let me share one more verse, then we'll move on. It says in Colossians four two, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And so we, there are so many verses on Thanksgiving, and I've I tell people all the time that if they want to grow in intimacy with God, if they want to draw nearer to Him, then they need to be grateful and thankful, and we need to offer up the uh, thanksgiving. It says, uh, let us offer up to him uh, the fruit of our lips, you know, giving praise, giving thanks to him. And so the, not only do we need to think thankful thoughts, we need to speak thankful thoughts and uh, speak that to our family, our friends, in our church, mm-hmm. uh, in the world, and on our podcasts, right? Amen. Okay, so this week we've got a, several things to just kind of talk about the first thing was I was when I drive around I have I have to you know this is not a political podcast okay so I would guess that most people would assume that since we are Christian and uh, love the lord that we're going to be on that more conservative side of things which mm-hmm. is true but yet nevertheless when I drive around I I often listen to a national public radio which is very liberal <laughs> and and some people will say, "Well, why would you listen to that?" Well, you know, I like to kind of know how the world is thinking. I like to keep a finger on the pulse of, of, of how a lost world uh, reacts to certain things. But on the other hand, too, I've actually come across some pretty interesting programs that I've I've learned things from. In fact, years ago, I was uh, listening to uh, National Public Radio, and there was I don't remember what show it was, but they were interviewing uh, this this journalist Matt Richtel and I was so intrigued by the things that he was talking about in regard to technology and our culture and so I started looking up his finding his articles he's a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist he's also an author and and he was actually going to be Captivated. he was he was scheduled to be one of our interviews hmm. and uh like a day before the interview, something fell through and we weren't able to uh, get the interview. It's very disappointing. But nevertheless, I, I appreciate the work that Matt has done. And he's got a new book out. So he's been on the circuit, you know, on the radio shows. And his new book is called A Deadly Wandering. And I have not read the book. I, I will likely uh, purchase this book, add it to my bucket list of, of books to read, which I'm always reading, and so, uh, but the book has to do with uh, technology. In particular, it, it centers around a tragic story of a young man who was texting and driving and uh, caused an accident, which resulted in the death of two men, mm. and but not himself. And so, uh, the book's kind of bases on that, and we'll we'll post some links in our in our blog portion of the website You'll, you can go there and we'll, we'll post a link to Matt Richtel's uh, blog page but also to the interview I heard of him on the radio so that was archived and we'll just provide a link for that and you can listen to not only Matt but also the young man that caused this accident uh, who shares candidly uh, on this show as well and it's, it's just food for thought. And it's one, once again, Matt's out there as, a, as one of the lone voices, you know, trying to help people to see uh, how these things affect our lives in a negative way. So that there's that. Now, there was another, we, we received a link from one of our podcast listeners. Thank you. I believe that was Craig uh, who sent us this one on smartphone zombies. Tell us, Rhett, what is a smartphone zombie?
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, we may, I think many people will relate to this, but uh, the article that he sent was specifically about um, Japan's problem with this, but we have it here, and I've seen it before as well, where so many people are paying so close attention to their smartphones that they're not seeing anything around them, and they're walking literally into poles and off bridges and, you know, just not aware of their surroundings.
0: So what is Japan doing about this? I mean, has it become such a problem that, um,
1: they, have got to have police (laughs) for like smartphone police? Well, yeah, I mean, almost to that point, um, it has become such an issue there that they've, uh, they've done quite an extensive public advertising campaign to teach people Ah, uh, the importance of paying attention. one of the things that they're doing right now is uh, using the story of the tortoise and the hare to uh, as a cartoon to show that you know, young children, you know that's their audience, shouldn't be like the hare who's depicted in the cartoon as uh, you know, addicted to his phone and he actually falls into a hole. And so they use, you know that old story to to make that point but they're also doing things like uh putting sensors and things on uh, pavement so that <laughs> it will flash warning signs to people to be cautious um other things like uh, el- escalators you know just making sure people know that things are coming ahead of them because they're walking blindly
0: I, th- I thought it was interesting too in that article they talked about some of the new technologies, also in these smart devices, that would allow you to uh, get a view of the ground in front of you. Yeah, that's right. So that it would uh, kind of layer, so that you would be, you know, reading your, you know, your email or looking at your text message or something, but that would be imp- that would be kind of transparently imposed over your camera's view of the ground. But I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the right. Direction to go, <laughs> or this like.
1: Yeah, I think that only encourages that kind of activity. Um, there was uh, a company, I guess they're a pretty large uh, cell phone company in Japan, and NTT Docomo, and they uh, did a study, and they they basically took um, this particular crossway in Tokyo where over. About 1,500 people cross at any given moment. Um, And they ran all this data into the computer that they've been collecting and did a simulation of what would happen if every single one of those people, all 1,500 people, were on their smartphone at the same time. And their uh, program (laughs) said that there would be 446 collisions, 103 knockdowns, And 21 dropped phones. And that was the thing that uh, was kind of startling is because based on information that they've collected, um, this simulation basically shows that out of 103 people that get knocked over uh, as they're walking through this crossway, uh, 82 of them would still cling tightly to their phone. Okay. (laughs) Rather so just interesting how uh, precious that can be to some people
0: okay the captain's going down with the ship you know <laughs> yep yep <laughs> Wow well you know and that leads us to uh, another interesting thing there's a uh, someone posted on my Facebook a, a video which I like getting this stuff when it, it pertains to media and it's a a, a viral video produced by a rapper and a spoken word artist known as Prince E now we're not here to I'm not gonna here's a disclaimer here I'm not here to promote or endorse Prince E but um, I thought the video was interesting which uh, had to do with this this awareness of this growing problem of people uh, glued to their phones and isolating themselves from one another and how Things like Facebook are really an antisocial network, and it's a it's a spoken word um, piece that that really hits hard on a lot of these things and calls for some change or some action. And one of the things that kind of struck me with with watching this is there was a lot of what was being said that I was certainly in agreement with, but the other side of that is awareness is not necessarily you know just recognize the problem is not the solution to the problem that's only Mm -hmm. a a step but it is a step and so there is a growing awareness and when you see someone like a, a rapper or you know that it that is producing something like some of these other videos that we've highlighted in the past that are are bringing awareness to the problem but the big question is are people actually changing you know what is the motivation to them for change is it just an awareness and and that's something i i have known people uh, throughout my life christians that would uh, you know be faithful in church but maybe in their spiritual walk not growing in a way that they ought to mm. but they but sometimes they they would have an awareness of what spirituality was and almost feeling like that's enough, just to be aware you know i'm I'm aware of what a a good sermon is, or I'm aware of what a a great Christian is, or I'm aware of but having that awareness doesn't really make us uh you know uh strong, vibrant Christians. It doesn't necessarily make us uh the, you know put us into that category just being able to acknowledge that a sermon is convicting is not the same thing as being convicted and and being changed by that sermon and likewise I have I just have a hunch that as this awareness grows and we have things like this rap video where or this spoken word video uh, I wonder really how much is going to change And and I'm sure that's the same question we have even with the documentary Captivated which we're trying to bring awareness to a problem we did try to provide action steps. And then also with this podcast as a follow-up, continually trying to, to point people to take some steps. And what would, um, you know, what are some of those steps? What, it, what is the solution? You know, where do you go from awareness? Uh, so what, what would be some action steps that would come to your mind, Rhett, on this subject?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, after you have the awareness then being conscious of, you know, taking steps, like you're saying, um, if it's a social media problem that you recognize, then turn off the social media. If it's your cell phone, put your cell phone away, you know, be around people. So I think simple things like that, um, are a good start.
0: Okay. So when, so when we think about action steps, you know, we, we look at, we have this awareness and then we, we have to take, take some steps. And in order to do that, the awareness may also mean, uh, we begin to monitor what we're doing. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's one of the things that we teach when it comes to our everyday media diet, you know, that we should be monitoring, uh, our media intake. So we have our, our consumption that's coming into our eyes, our ears, and that consumption needs to be, needs to be monitored. And we need to start saying, wait, I need to, I need to start thinking about my own habits, not just say, oh yeah, our, our world has a problem. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. what about, what about me? Uh, How do I handle these things? And so as we begin to monitor, then what we're doing is we're training in discernment. We're trying to begin to analyze. Now, wait a minute. What, what am I doing? How am I spending my time? And then when I am consuming media, what am I consuming? So in the, in the documentary, Captivated, we use the analogy of the all-you-can-eat media buffet, you know, a food buffet where it's not only how much food you're piling on the plate, but it's what's the quality of that food. And those are two different things that we have to discern, both the, the quantity that we're taking in and the quality that we're taking in. And that takes, once again, monitoring that, and then assessing it personally assessing it and that's what we would call discernment now that discernment is going to be better or worse depending on where your heart and your motivation comes from so if you you know that's that's why you know a public service announcement trying to uh, scare you know <laughs> young people into not texting and driving uh is a good thing. I mean it's a motivation it's a, you could die. You could cause the death of others. That's, that's a motivator. But that's not the only motivation, and that only goes so far. So when we talk about the heart, and certainly heart matters from a Christian perspective, you know, as if I was talking to a Christian and saying, what what should be the motivator for them to grow in discernment and and not only discern, you know, be a, not only be aware that there's a problem, now begin to monitor my own life, maybe come to the awareness that I have a problem, and then from there, that's not the solution either. Uh, Or discerning that, oh, this is bad versus this is good. This is too much time versus this is an appropriate time. That's discernment. But from discernment, we need to go to making wise choices. And that's going to really be dependent on where our heart and our motivation. And so, Here's a, it's not a trick question, Rhett. It can be. It can be very simply answered by just meditating and thinking about what did Jesus. What did Jesus say was the most important law? He said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength." And what would be the next one? Love your neighbor as yourself. So this may seem oversimplistic to some people, but it certainly was not oversimplistic to Jesus, is to say, you know what? The motivation should be love. Mm -hmm. The motivation should be a love, first of all, for God. And we should love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And, And then the next thing, our motivator, should be our love for others. Our love for others should motivate us to be discerning, to have our hearts trained in discernment, and then to make wise choices, and and we might say, well, how does that work? How does you know? How does loving God and loving others uh, become the motivator? Well, what's interesting is Jesus said that you could sum up the entire law that was given to Moses by God, you know, for the people of Israel. You could sum up the entire law in those two things. They're about loving God and about loving others. So when you have the tedious laws like You know, if you dig a hole, then make sure you cover it up, (laughs) you know, and you say, well, well, why is there a law like that? Why do you have a law that says if you dig a, dig a dangerous hole, then you need to cover it up? Well, why? What would, what would happen if you don't cover up that hole?
1: Somebody could fall in it, get hurt.
0: And if somebody falls in it, it gets hurt. That wasn't very loving to them, was it? No. So we can see that the motivation is love for others. And, 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 basically you could look at any law, any rule that God gave, and you could, you could find the roots of that being, this is about loving others. This is about, and this is about loving God. And one of those things that, that are taught in the New Testament about loving others is, is it says in, uh, I believe it's in first John. It says, how can we say that we love God if we hate our brother? Uh, because we actually see him and we don't see God. So if we're not showing love to the people we see, then how can we claim to be loving towards the God that we cannot see? Mm -hmm. And so this does affect us and how we treat others, how we respond to others. And so certainly things like texting and driving is unloving. It's unloving to, to God because if you end up uh, because of your distracted driving, you end up killing yourself. Well, that was not his perfect will for you. I don't believe that God wanted you to kill yourself by doing something stupid uh, while you were driving. Worse yet, you kill somebody else. Now you've done something unloving to to another. And so we can see how uh, these laws are you know on the here we have the extreme level of actually causing death through texting and driving but there are much lesser levels like our our day-to-day interaction with people which it's becoming it's very very hard and i've been i be, i'm trying to discipline myself and keep my keep myself trained to say you know i'm not just going to give in to this expectation of constantly texting constantly posting things uh, so if you you know if you've uh, and anybody's welcome to friend me on Facebook, um but it's gonna be a pretty boring friendship on Facebook to be honest with you <laughs> you know so if you're look if you're thinking, wow, I could friend Philip on Facebook and we'll be connected it's like nope, you won't really be connected because in fact, it's the worst place to get in touch with me uh, maybe once a month I discover that someone has sent me a message through Facebook <laughs> and then I, it actually uh, one of my favorite Facebook Uh, connections is Corey Schaumborn, you know, from uh, Captivated. He was the skateboarder who we interviewed. And Corey is one of these guys that I've mentioned before. I love him deeply. He loves the Lord and he's very vocal about his faith. And he uses Facebook as a platform to really share uh, about Christ. And I, I applaud that. And so, you know, I got a I got a message from Corey recently on Facebook that I'd missed for probably a couple of weeks because I'm just not on Facebook, but I I happened to get on there and I noticed oh there's a message and I and it was Corey sending me a little message saying hey Philip I'm just wanted to let you know I've been praying for you and your ministry and is there anything that um you could you could tell me specifically that would help me know how to better pray for you I'm <laughs> like oh that's great but that's rare. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so, so it's, it's very rare, but I appreciate Corey and, and a a handful of people who are using those uh, social media platforms to, you know, connect in meaningful ways. But, um, nevertheless, you know, so you you, welcome to friend me on Facebook, but it won't be a very deep friendship, uh, because the, the best thing is that we try to, uh, connect and get together over a cup of coffee like our podcast listener Craig I'm gonna get a chance to hang out with Craig Uh I got to hang out with him and his family at, at family camp and now I'm going to a conference in January uh, called the next or gen 2 conference and uh, so we're gonna we're both gonna be at the conference and gonna to room together at a hotel and and it'll be great and that's real relationship you know that's person to person and and that's gonna be limited you know, that's, that's going to be limited to to a certain number of people in your life. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. You don't have to feel guilty because you're not keeping up with a bazillion people. Uh, you can't. You know, you have your immediate family. You have the people in your local church. Now, if your church is a mega church and you got thousands of people in church, you're not going to be able to connect with thousands of people. So mega churches usually have small groups. So you're going to be engaged in a small group. Or maybe your small group, your, your church is just a small group, you know? So you have, it's a pretty, then you, that's where you engage people and you, do, and you foster your relationships, uh, at, at church. And then you have your outreach, you know, where you, you, uh, find ways to engage people in a real way. And one of the things, one of the ways we're doing that as a family, most recently is my, uh, oldest daughter and my son and I uh, started selling our woodworking products at the local farmers market and so we've done that for five weeks now in a row and we'll continue to do that up through Christmas and it gives us an opportunity to be in the community to interact with people and and hopefully build relationships so so these are you know there are practical steps but we do have to understand what is our motivator and if you don't have the right motivation uh, and that is loving God and finding why we would do things or why we would not do certain things out of love for God and also why we would do some things and why we would choose not to do other things out of our love for others. And we need to continually uh, look to, to and ask God for help in how to apply that in all of these areas, especially in this digital world. Which is, uh, it's not getting easier to live in this digital world. It's getting more complicated mm-hmm. uh, every day that goes by. All right, there was there was one more thing, Rhett, in the um, that came across uh, our email. I it might have been from a podcast listener. I think it was. I think it was from uh, podcast listener John Clay, and uh, I could be wrong on that. But it was it was this idea of e-athletes e-athletes have you heard about this I hadn't heard of it before this article no okay so here's, here's the title of this article that was at college recruiting gamers as athletes and this is from from Illinois hmm. uh, from the Robert Morris University in Chicago they're the first school in the nation to offer athletic scholarships Okay, let me repeat that in case you didn't think I said that right. <laughs> okay, they're offering athletic scholarships to video game players, uh, specifically uh, video game players that are um, playing this game, League of Legends. So, you know, I know that that uh, this whole e-gaming thing or this esports is growing. You know, in fact, some a handful of sponsored E athletes now, you know, or e game or the, or e sports professionals uh, can make a million dollars. You know, with with uh, you know they're they're pocketing a lot of money, not only for their competitions but also for sponsors and anything else. But this just blew me away to think of a college offering. Well, you know what? It shouldn't surprise me because, I mean, I guess I have some skeptical. Uh, thoughts about just athletic scholarships and real athletic scholarships (laughs) we're not talking about e-athletes but the regular athletic scholarships and the emphasis of that in our society today but you know it is an interesting twist now to add e-athletes So you can get a scholarship, and this is so. This is every aspiring video game player's dream come true. Hmm. You know, there's there's probably kids saying, "Oh, they, I want to go to college now," you know, and um, they can get a get a a scholarship to go play video games. So I don't know. Any thoughts that you had to add to that, Rhett?
1: Well, yeah, just like what you just said, many students may be wanting to go to college now. Part of the article. it says this. It says, News of the scholarships has traveled quickly through the college gaming world. Z. Hang, 19, a Chicagoan who competes for a club at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign said he's already seeing his fellow players practice with extra enthusiasm. It's just, you know, they're, they're excited now for the opportunity to possibly get a scholarship to go to college, but it's just causing them to play more video games. <laughs>
0: Well, and that's just it. I mean, the, what, the skills that they are acquiring may not necessarily be transferable to anything other than playing that particular video game. Mm-hmm. So I, I have an action step here, a suggestion for you, is um, for your kids. This will be for parents. And actually, this is great for adults. And that is, go out and buy a Japanese kandama. Okay. You're going, you might like, have to well,
1: explain what that is.
0: What? Yeah, kandama. I think it's K E N D A M A. It's it's an it's a Japanese toy that's been around for a while. I'm I'm keen on it because I came across one a couple of years ago. They're made out of wood, so so I thought, "Oh, this is something that maybe we could make." And so I did. I I made a kandama probably about a year ago in our wood shop, and we gave it away as a gift. And then, but it was challenging. It was challenging to make. And let me explain the kendama. Where most of us are familiar with the cup and ball game, you know, where you have a the little stick with a cup on it, little wooden stick. It's got a little cup, and then it's got a string with a ball dangling from it. And you and you flip the ball up, and you catch it on the stick, or in the cup. Well, the uh, j- the game Japanese game kendama is like the cup and ball on steroids. You know, so it <laughs> it, it it looks like it has a cross piece. And then it has three different. They're not necessarily cups. They're just little uh, concaves, you know. But they're different sizes. And then there's a there's a a little peg on one, so it's not even a cup. It's a peg. And there's a there's a hole in the ball, and it's and it's dangling on a string. And so the game is, you you get the the ball bounced up and and balanced on the biggest cup, and then you you uh, pop it up and you you turn with your hand to the the next smallest cup and then you do it again to the next smallest cup and then you then you flip the ball up in the air and you catch the ball with the peg through the hole and it's very very challenging um now why would i say this i mean now is is there a transferable skill there you know are they going to give out
1: scholarships for that Uh, no they're not you're not going to get
0: a scholarship for this but but you're going to have some fun and um, and it's going to be some good uh, real high-eye-hand coordination and uh, something you won't get addicted to, for sure. You might get frustrated with. And so, you know, go out and get a Kandama. that cost you 20 bucks. If you want a custom one made by Timeless Wood Toys, uh, a.k.a. Philip Telfer and his children, uh, you know, give me an email. Well, we sell them for $25 because they're handmade, you know. But this isn't meant to be a sales pitch. You can get one on Amazon for twenty, or you could order one from us if you'd like for twenty-five. It might take us a couple weeks to get it built for you. They're a little challenging, but anyway, uh, get a kendama. Skip the video games. Uh, you know, if you if your children must, you know, if they if they're college bound, um, I wouldn't set their hopes up too high on getting there on a video
1: game scholarship. I'm not sure that's the best direction to go but you know that's just my opinion yeah <laughs> you know it's almost to me it almost seems like you know the odds of winning the lottery you know, a lot of people play it but who really wins and you know if so many kids think oh if i if i'm good at this particular video game i might go to college that's just not a logical way to that end no
0: no i don't think that and i don't think that's necessarily a, a the right direction and now this I, i'm very keen on this and i know we we should uh, probably be wrapping up this, this podcast. But what really intrigues me is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let, so, let something out here to our podcast listeners that uh, you already know about, Rhett, you know, because we're friends. We're, not, we're mm-hmm. not, you know, if we were Facebook friends, you wouldn't know about this because <laughs> I don't share anything on Facebook. But if you're really my friend, then you know that uh, for over two years now, I've been working on a novel. I've been writing, mm-hmm. writing a novel. And it's and the and the the main character in this story is a is a young man who's aspiring to be a pro video game player now at the time when I began writing this two years ago, you know there was no i mean I had no i didn't even imagine that there would be scholarships at college for <laughs> video game playing, which kind of throws a little bit of a wrench in my story now, you know. Because uh, in my story uh, this young man's father wants him to go to college and get a degree and he doesn't want to He's, he wants to become a pro video game player and it causes some tension in their life so you know hey now there's the solution in my story you know that he could have the best of both worlds go to college and, well, on his scholarship but nevertheless it's an interesting story but it's about the transformation of this young man's life through some um, difficult circumstances that he has to go through and realize that a lot of these uh, supposed skills and accomplishments in the video game really don't uh, translate to to skills or abilities or relational um, aspects in real life. And so it's a it's a I hope it's going to be a good story. It's don't don't hold your breath. It's don't don't put a pre order in yet for it. It could be a couple of years yet before it's done. And by then, man, I may have to rewrite the whole thing once every college in the country has a scholarship program for E-athletes. So I did hear that there is some, uh, a lot of joking going on on the campus, you know, from the jocks, you know, know, the football players.
1: I bet. I I mean, E-athlete, that's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it?
0: I think so. I, I think that doesn't really work, but we live in a world that's pretty bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, it's a strange world we live in. Who knows, who knows what's next? I, I really didn't see that one coming. That one did take me by surprise. All right. Well, Hey Rhett, this has been a fun podcast and we want to wish everybody a, a, a blessed Thanksgiving, uh, not just one Thursday out of the month or out of the year, but, uh, being a grateful, thankful people for the many blessings that God has given us. Uh, and and also the, this blessing of knowing him uh, through Jesus Christ, to, to have uh, be able to have a relationship with him, uh, to grow in that relationship, and also to the relationships we have with one another, and to be able to grow and not see these real relationships with, with our God and with each other, Continue to deteriorate. So I'm I'm very thankful that there are uh, people out there still that uh, will take the time to listen to a podcast like this, and uh, and be a little more thoughtful about where this uh, where the bandwagon is heading right now, and uh, that that cultural stream, and being willing to be countercultural, and to to be a subculture within this and and just kind of a uh, hopefully next podcast uh lord willing if i can get my act together we're going to be talking about a a new a new workshop that i'm putting together for some conferences called thriving in babylon and it's about raising godly families in a pagan culture and it's going to be looking at the life of daniel and his companions uh coming out of out of uh Jerusalem and being sent into Babylon and and there's uh, some interesting things that the Lord's put on my heart that I believe that we can draw parallels from for our own time so hopefully that's my that's my hope to have that ready to go uh, in a month's time and to at least begin to, to talk about that oh and one more thing before we go Rhett I just want to encourage our podcast listeners to continue to send us articles or videos when you see them and send us questions it's been a long time since we've received a question from a podcast listener and we can only guess that either we've answered all the questions that are ever thought which is probably not the case um or or you're just not answering asking your questions that you might have so we would love for either questions or even suggestions for future podcasts that would be great
1: thank you for listening to the media talk 101 podcast Be sure to tune in next month for more conversation about media discernment in the light of following Christ. If you're interested in learning more in the meantime, visit mediatalk101.org for helpful articles, videos, and other resources, including archived podcasts. And if you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on this podcast, send them to podcast at mediatalk101.org. That's podcast at mediatalk101.org.